Chapter Twenty Five of *The Man in the Iron Mask* by Alexander Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. What took place at the Louvre during the supper at the Bastille? Monsieur de Saint-Aignan had executed the commission with which the king had entrusted him for La Valliere, as we have already seen in one of the preceding chapters. But whatever his eloquence, he did not succeed in persuading the young girl that she had, in the king, a protector powerful enough for her under any combination of circumstances, and that she had no need of anyone else in the world when the king was on her side. In point of fact, at the very first word which the favorite mentioned of the discovery of the famous secret, Louise, in a passion of tears, abandoned herself in utter despair to a sorrow which would have been far from flattering for the king if he had been a witness of it from one of the corners of the room st aignan in his character of ambassador felt almost as greatly offended at it as his master himself would have been and returned to inform the king what he had seen and heard and it is thus we find him in a state of great agitation in the presence of the king who was if possible in a state of even greater flurry than himself but said the king to the courtier when the latter had finished his report what did she decide to do shall i at least see her presently before supper will she come to me or shall i be obliged to go to her room i believe sire that if your majesty wishes to see her you will not only have to take the first step in advance but will have to go the whole way that i do not mind do you think she has yet a secret fancy for young bragelonne muttered the king between his teeth oh sire that is not possible for it is you alone i am convinced mademoiselle de la valliere loves and that too with all her heart but you know that the bragelonne belongs to that proud race who play the part of roman heroes the king smiled feebly he knew how true the illustration was, for Athos had just left him. As for Mademoiselle de la Valliere, Saint-Aignan continued, she was brought up under the care of the dowager madame, that is to say, in the greatest austerity and formality. This young engaged couple coldly exchanged their little vows in the prim presence of the moon and stars, and now, when they find they have to break these vows asunder, it plays the very deuce with them. St. Aignan thought to have made the king laugh, but, on the contrary, from a mere smile, Louis passed to the greatest seriousness of manner. He already began to experience that remorse which the Comte had promised D'Artagnan he would inflict upon him. He reflected that, in fact, these young persons had loved and sworn fidelity to each other, that one of the two had kept his word and that the other was too conscientious not to feel her perjury most bitterly and his remorse was not unaccompanied for bitter pangs of jealousy began to beset the king's heart he did not say another word and instead of going to pay a visit to his mother or the queen or madame in order to amuse himself a little and make the ladies laugh as he himself used to say he threw himself into the huge armchair in which his august father, Louis XIII, had passed so many weary days and years in company with Berada and Cinquemar. Saint-Aignan perceived the king was not to be amused at that moment. He tried a last resource and pronounced Louise's name 
which made the king look up immediately. "'What does your majesty intend to do this evening? Shall Mademoiselle de la Valliere be informed of your intention to see her?' "'It seems she is already aware of that,' replied the king. "'No, no, Saint-Aignan.' He continued after a moment's pause. "'We will both of us pass our time in thinking and musing and dreaming. When Mademoiselle de la Valliere shall have sufficiently regretted what she now regrets, she will deign, perhaps, to give us some news of herself.' "'Huh, sire, is it possible you can so misunderstand her heart, which is so full of devotion?' The king rose, flushed from vexation and annoyance. He was a prey to jealousy as well as to remorse. Saint-Aignan was just beginning to feel that his position was becoming awkward when the curtain before the door was raised. The king turned hastily around. His first idea was that a letter from Louise had arrived, but instead of a letter of love he only saw his captain of musketeers standing upright and perfectly silent in the doorway. "'Monsieur d'Artagnan,' he said. "'Huh! Well?' monsieur d'artagnan looked at saint-aignan the king's eyes took the same direction as those of his captain these looks would have been clear to any one and for a still greater reason they were so for saint-aignan the courtier bowed and quitted the room leaving the king and d'artagnan alone is it done inquired the king yes sire replied the captain of the musketeers in a grave voice it is done the king was unable to say another word pride however obliged him not to pause at what he had done whenever a sovereign has adopted a decisive course even though it be unjust he is compelled to prove to all witnesses and particularly to prove it to himself that he was quite right all through a good means for effecting that an almost infallible means indeed is to try and prove his victim to be in the wrong louis brought up by mazarin and anne of austria knew better than anyone else his vocation as a monarch he therefore endeavored to prove it on the present occasion after a few moments pause which he had employed in making silently to himself the same reflections which we have just expressed aloud he said in an indifferent tone what did the comte say nothing at all sire "'Surely he did not allow himself to be arrested without saying something?' "'He said he expected to be arrested, sire.' The king raised his head haughtily. "'I presume,' he said, "'that Monsieur le Comte de la Fere has not continued to play his obstinate and rebellious part?' "'In the first place, sire, what do you wish to signify by rebellious?' quietly asked the musketeer. A rebel in the eyes of the king is a man who not only allows himself to be shut up in the Bastille, but still more, who opposes those who do not wish to take him there. "'Who do not wish to take him there?' exclaimed the king. "'What do you say, Captain? Are you mad?' "'I believe not, sire.' "'You speak of persons who did not wish to arrest Monsieur de la Fere? Who are those persons, may I ask?' I should say those whom your majesty entrusted with that duty. But it was you whom I entrusted with it, exclaimed the king. Yes, sire, it was I, 
and yet you say that despite my orders you had the intention of not arresting the man who had insulted me yes sire that was really my intention i even proposed to the comte to mount a horse that i had prepared for him at the barriere de la conference and what was the object in getting this horse ready why sire in order that monsieur le comte de la fere might be able to reach le Havre, and from that place make his escape to england you betrayed me then monsieur cried the king kindling with a wild pride exactly so there was nothing to say in answer to statements made in such a tone the king was astounded at such an obstinate and open resistance on the part of d'artagnan at least you had a reason monsieur d'artagnan for acting as you did said the king proudly i have always a reason for everything sire your reason cannot be your friendship for the comte at all events the only one that can be of any avail the only one that can possibly excuse you for i placed you perfectly at your ease in that respect me sire did i not give you the choice to arrest or not to arrest monsieur le comte de la fere yes sire but but what exclaimed the king impatiently but you warned me sire that if i did not arrest him your captain of the guard should do so was i not considerate enough toward you from the very moment i did not compel you to obey me to me sire you were but not to my friend for my friend would be arrested all the same whether by myself or by the captain of the guards and this is your devotion monsieur a devotion which argues and reasons you are no soldier monsieur i wait for your majesty to tell me what i am well then you are a frondeur and since there is no longer any fronde sire in that case but if what you say is true what i say is always true sire what have you come to say to me monsieur i have come to say to your majesty sire monsieur de la fere is in the bastille that is not your fault it would seem that is true sire but at all events he is there and since he is there it is important that your majesty should know it ha huh. monsieur d'artagnan so you set your king at defiance sire monsieur d'artagnan i warn you that you are abusing my patience on the contrary sire what do you mean by on the contrary i have come to get myself arrested too to get yourself arrested you of course my friend will get wearied to death in the bastille by himself and i have come to propose to your majesty to permit me to bear him company if your majesty will but give me the word i will arrest myself i shall not need the captain of the guards for that i assure you the king darted toward the table and seized hold of a pen to write the order for d'artagnan's imprisonment pay attention monsieur that this is forever cried the king in tones of sternest menace i can quite believe that returned the musketeer for when you have once done such an act as that 
you will never be able to look at me in the face again the king dashed down his pen violently leave the room monsieur he said not so if it please your majesty what is that you say sire i came to speak gently and temperately to your majesty your majesty got into a passion with me that is a misfortune but i shall not the less on that account say what i had to say to you your resignation monsieur your resignation cried the king sire you know whether i care about my resignation or not since at blois on the very day when you refused king charles the million which my friend the comte de la fere gave him i then tendered my resignation to your majesty very well monsieur do it at once no sire for there is no question of my resignation at the present moment your majesty took up your pen just now to send me to the bastille why should you change your intention d'artagnan gascon that you are who is king allow me to ask you or myself you sire unfortunately what do you mean by unfortunately yes sire for if it were i if it were you you would approve of monsieur d'artagnan's rebellious conduct i suppose certainly really said the king shrugging his shoulders and i should tell my captain of the musketeers continued d'artagnan i should tell him looking at him all the while with human eyes and not with eyes like coals of fire monsieur d'artagnan i had forgotten that i was the king for i descended from my throne in order to insult a gentleman monsieur said the king do you think you can excuse your friend by exceeding him in insolence oh, sire i should go much further than he did said d'artagnan and it would be your own fault i should tell you what he a man full of the finest sense of delicacy did not tell you i should say sire you have sacrificed his son and he defended his son you sacrificed himself he addressed you in the name of honor of religion of virtue you repulsed drove him away imprisoned him i should be harder than he was for i should say to you sire it is for you to choose do you wish to have friends or lackeys soldiers or slaves great men or mere puppets do you wish men to serve you or to bend and crouch before you do you wish men to love you or to be afraid of you if you prefer baseness intrigue cowardice say so at once sire and we will leave you we who are the only individuals who are left nay i will say more the only models of the valor of former times we who have done our duty and have exceeded perhaps in courage and in merit the men already great for posterity choose sire and that too without delay whatever relics remain to you of the great nobility guard them with a jealous eye you will never be deficient in courtiers delay not and send me to the bastille with my friend for if you did not know how to listen to the comte de la fere whose voice is the sweetest and noblest in all the world when honor is the theme if you do not know how to listen to d'artagnan the frankest and honestest voice of sincerity you are a bad king and tomorrow 
will be a poor king. And learn from me, sire, that bad kings are hated by their people, and poor kings are driven ignominiously away. That is what I had to say to you, sire. You were wrong to drive me to say it. The king threw himself back in his chair, cold as death, and as livid as a corpse. Had a thunderbolt fallen at his feet, he could not have been more astonished. He seemed as if his respiration had utterly ceased, and that he was at the point of death. The honest voice of sincerity, as D'Artagnan had called it, had pierced through his heart like a sword-blade. D'Artagnan had said all he had to say. Comprehending the king's anger, he drew his sword, and approaching Louis the Fourteenth respectfully, he placed it on the table. But the king, with a furious gesture, thrust aside the sword which fell on the ground and rolled to D'Artagnan's feet. Notwithstanding the perfect mastery which D'Artagnan exercised over himself, he too in his turn became pale and trembling with indignation, said, A king may disgrace a soldier. He may exile him and may even condemn him to death. But were he a hundred times a king, he has no right to insult him by casting a dishonor upon his sword. Sire, a king of France has never repulsed with contempt the sword of a man such as I am. Stained with disgrace as this sword now is, it is henceforth no other sheath than either your heart or my own. I choose my own, sire, and you have to thank heaven in my own patience that I do so. Then snatching up a sword, he cried, my blood be upon your head! And with a rapid gesture, he placed the hilt upon the floor and directed the point of the blade toward his breast. The king, however, with a movement far more rapid than that of D'Artagnan, threw his right arm around the musketeer's neck and with his left hand seized hold of the blade by the middle and returned it silently to the scabbard. D'Artagnan, upright, pale and still trembling, let the king do all to the very end. Louis overcome and softened by gentler feelings, returned to the table, took a pen in his hand, wrote a few lines, signed them, and then held it out to D'Artagnan. "'What is this paper, sire?' inquired the captain. "'In order for Monsieur D'Artagnan to set the Comte de la Fere at liberty, immediately.' D'Artagnan seized the king's hand and imprinted a kiss upon it, he then folded the order, placed it in his belt, and quitted the room. Neither the king nor the captain had uttered a syllable. O oh, human heart! Thou guide and director of kings, murmured Louis when alone. When shall I learn to read in your inmost recesses, as in the leaves of a book? Oh, I am not a bad king, nor am I a poor king. I am but still a child when all is said and done. End of chapter twenty five. Recording by John Van Stan. Savannah, Georgia.